Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. We start now with the Montana Football Hour Presented by our friends at Lithia, Ford of Missoula and Coulter. It was uh, an interesting weekend, to say the least, uh, for uh, both Montana and Montana State. Let's start with the Grizzlies. We were here at this game in Missoula, and uh, Montana bounces back to a 34-17 win, a game that they were down 14-3. Uh, early on, and we're down 14-10 at half, but outscore the Eagles 24-3 in the second half. Uh, I think, you know, as always, there's two stories, if not more, to be told about this game. But in the main, the Grizzlies rushed 55 times, their most, their highest rushing total. Clearly, that was a part of the game plan, given the fact that Cam Humphrey made his first start. I thought he was fine. I thought he was solid as a backup quarterback to be in there. Uh, and and I thought that the Montana protected him a little bit. You know, he went 20 of 29, very good total, 179 yards, one touchdown to Sammy Akem. So a a fine day, no interceptions, by the way, um, but certainly wasn't the catalyst for this. The catalyst was the run game bolstered by Marcus Knight, and then later also by Nick Osmo, who I thought had a, a, a very good day as well. And frankly, I thought the offensive line played really well uh, against Eastern Washington in total. The other side of this is the Eagles are not very good, man. Eastern Washington, they have, I, I thought Eric Berrier was as good an individual player, at least as good an individual quarterback as I've seen. I thought he was absolutely superb. He had more drops to deal with on balls that were in the breadbasket than I can remember seeing in a Division One football game in quite some time. I mean, guys were just straight putting it on the ground. And 
and in big spots too, first down, you know, situations where you're going to move the sticks and, and and all that. So, look, I don't think the outcome is different necessarily. But what I'm saying to you is, Eastern Washington, they have some good individual players. It's not just Eric Berry; they have some good individual guys. But as a team, they're just not there right now. They just aren't. And so, uh, you know, they gave Montana a couple of looks early and got out to that lead. But ultimately, the Grizzlies did what the Grizzlies have been doing this year, and they shut the door in the second half, going 24 to three. It's been a long time since Montana was able to establish the run early but then stick with it and have the ground game get progressively better. I thought mm. that was my biggest impression was that Eastern Washington actually played really well up front defensively in the first half, I thought. I thought that they Montana had a defined game plan to control the clock, control the ball and keep it uh, it easy for or easier at least for Cam Humphrey. They had the ball for seven minutes and fourteen seconds on their first possession, a uh, sixteen play, sixty one yard drive that was very deliberate, but only results in a field goal as it stalled out. I thought Eastern's tackling and their physicality on the defensive line was impressive during that stretch, and I thought that that was the case throughout the first half. I thought that uh, Dylan Ledbetter and Jim Townsend and Mitch Johnson. I thought all three of those guys played really well. Uh, for Eastern Washington, and I thought DeHonta Hayes was excellent as a safety. I thought he was everywhere. And uh, Eastern has the ball for less than nine minutes in the first half, yet they still enter halftime with a 14-10 lead. But rather than playing like you're behind, Montana stuck with their game plan and continued to execute, and they had a score-stop score at the beginning of the third quarter that was very key for them to turn the tables. And then as soon as... Marcus Knight ripped off the 45-yard touchdown run that tied the game at 17. You could tell the momentum was all in Montana's favor, and then they were able to slam the door shut like they have so often this year. Uh, So another impressive finish by the Grizz, but I thought it was even more impressive that uh, you have finally now an offensive line and a running back who can continue to run the ball and get stronger as the game went on, and that was the key to the entire victory for Montana. It was almost a throwback Saturday at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Well, and when you thought, too, it seems to me you would have been anticipating a, a, a pretty heavy load in the run game, at least initially, uh, from Eastern Washington, and they certainly did get that, but even when, you know, with about 10 minutes left in, this, in the game, I think the Grizzlies got the, the ball back with maybe 9.50 left in the fourth quarter, and they're up two scores, but it's only two scores. And they decide that they're just going to hand the ball to Nick Osmo and let him just pound away. Big kid, freshman, and but they're going to do something that they had not. I, I, I hadn't seen him do it yet until really this game under Bobby Houck since, since his return. And that is, we're going to line up and just run the ball straight at you. Between the tackles, we're just going power, dive, power. And stop us if you can. And you know what? Eastern couldn't. And that is a remarkable shift for the University of Montana, even from the beginning of this year, where I think their running game was good, but it was also, it wasn't power in that way. And Nick Osmo picked up three yards. Then he picked up five yards. Then he picked up four yards. Well, guess what? That's a first down. And then he picked up five yards. And then he picked up three yards. And then he picked up four more yards. And you know what? That's another first down. And Montana ultimately punted on the possession, but they had the ball for five minutes doing nothing but running the football and letting that clock tick, tick, tick away. And Eastern Washington, Aaron Best, ends up having to use at least one, if not two timeouts in that possession just to get the ball back. So now all of a sudden, okay, Eastern's got the ball, but now there's only four and a half minutes left in the game. You're still down set, you know, two touchdowns, and... 
uh, and 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 got you know really your hands tied, no, no timeouts remaining, uh, and so uh, this was a I thought an, an impressive performance. I said two touchdowns, actually seventeen points, thirty four seventeen. But uh, y- y- the game essentially was salted away to me on that five minute possession, which was almost exclusively Nick Osmo running power rushes, and I thought that was impressive, something that we haven't seen before, and a, a point of optimism for a Montana team. Look, I think there's a, there's some teams or some defenses that they're going to run into where they won't be able to do that, but the fact that there's some defenses out there that they can do that too, which they could they could not at all before, I think it was, was, was impressive. And, of course, Marcus Knight. I mean, my goodness, almost uh, 196 total yards uh, from scrimmage on the day, again three more touchdowns, and he was he was just outstanding. I mean, he his his vision, his feel, his ab- ability to find you know the hole and just make the right decision, the right cut, and then eventually get loose and rip off a big one. I thought it was uh, a really really impressive day for him. Let's hear from Bobby Alcon what he thought. Certainly, to. Uh Pete, the team that played, a team that played in the national championship game last year is a great win for us. Um, I'm proud of our our guys for their effort and, and how they approached the game coming off a loss and, and how they finished it, frankly. Uh, Aaron Best had his team ready to go. Uh, they came after us the first half, and uh, that, that was tough. We were, we were down, and, and we had to fight our way back. And I really like... Uh, our football team's ability to do that. I think we're a, a second-half team. I think we're a fourth-quarter team, which is where we want to be playing our best on any given Saturday, and uh, today that's what it was. So happy for our guys and, and uh, happy for the University of Montana to have 600 wins now. We, uh, uh, reiter- he reiterated this earlier today, and you hear more from his the, the, the Monday press conference uh, later in the week, but... He has emphasized, obviously, coming out of last season and going into this season, being a second-half team, being a team that gets stronger as the game goes on. And any time there is evidence for that, he's going to seize on it. And certainly did there. And uh, and you can't argue it. I mean, this team, what they have been and done in the second half and once again needed it, uh, actually losing at halftime to come out and really make it a, a sure thing with that sequence you talked about. Touchdown, fumble on the kickoff, touchdown again, 14 points in two minutes, and the game was over. I thought the other key was Montana's ability to stop the run, too. They held Eastern Washington to 101 yards, and Bobby Houck said in the previous Monday press conference he thought the team that would be able to control the game, control the ball in the run game and stop the run would be the team that won, and Eastern Washington was rushing for over 205 yards per game against FCS opponents, and so they were, that's about half their total. They were also able, because they were able to stuff the run, they were then able to tee off a little bit on Eric Berry, and they got to him three times. He's one of the hardest quarterbacks in the league in the country to sack. Mm-hmm. So that was another uh, key factor. So I thought that um, for the first time since Bobby Houck's been back, it wasn't the element of surprise or the scheme or a star quarterback leading you to the victory. It was domination of the line of scrimmage, and that's something I think that makes Coach Houck very happy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, he did talk. 
about the run game at length and why wouldn't you? 55 runs the most, again, by uh, Montana this season and uh, very successful. Over 250 yards rushing on this day for the Grizzlies in total. Here's Bobby Houck on that run game. Bobby said on Monday he thought the team that ran the ball better and stopped the run better would win the game, and you guys certainly did that today. So just controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides, how important was that? Yeah, kind of, I guess you'd say as predicted maybe. Um, it's nice to be right once in a while. Uh, but, yeah, you, that's that's good hard-nosed football. Uh, it looked like uh, late fall in, in the Northern Rockies out there early in the game, and you've got to be able to run the ball here. You're not going to win late in the season, and you got to be able to stop it because the other team's trying to do it. Certainly we, uh, we did a good job. Uh, on both sides of that equation. Uh, really like how our defense swarmed with the ball and really liked how our uh, our offense did the same. You guys' run game seemed to get stronger as the game went on. What, what was the key to that? And how happy does that make you when you can't finish strong like that? Well, I think that that's what uh, a team that runs the ball well, um, if, we, if we can stick with it, then that's the way it's going to be. And you can you can wear on the other side a little bit if you're persistent and have the ability to do that. Now, in order to do it, you have to be able to generate first downs and be good enough to continue on with it, be in the game, and you know a lot of things dictate how much you can do. And today, that's how it played out. And our guys, uh, it was fun to watch our big guys lean on them. And again, I think that's something that it's not just last year to this year; it's from the first you know, week or two of this season to now three quarters, two thirds to three quarters of the way through the year. I think you can see uh, the progress that, that this group has made. And, uh, you know, obviously the addition of Moses Mallory has been significant when you just talk about size and attitude that he brings to that offensive line. But, uh, you know, give Chad Germer a ton of credit uh, once again, because it, it, it seems like this this group in particular is taking taking noticeable steps forward in their progression. They are. Dylan Cook's addition to the lineup, I think, has been huge. Mm. Uh, him and Colton Kynes, to me, are about the same when it comes to protecting the passer. But Dylan Cook's significantly better in the, just getting off the ball in the run game. He's got a lot more pop, a lot more push. I think his addition at left or at right tackle has been big. I think the shift of Cy Sermon to center has been big. And I think that Moses Mallory playing power guard has been very big as well. Uh, and then, you know, Angel Villanueva, I'm not sure his status. He was dressed on Saturday, yeah. but he didn't play. Uh, he didn't play much, at least. I didn't completely monitor every snap of the offensive line, but Cordell Pilon's number 71. He made his second straight start, uh, and he's been pretty good as well. Uh, and then the other thing you got to give credit to is just the addition and continued improvement of Marcus Knight. Bobby Houck is going to kill him if he continues to fumble the football. That's why Nick Osmo got, I think, 14 of his 18 carries in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Bobby Houck looked at Marcus Knight in the press conference. I asked Bobby Houck, I said, you know, what gave you the confidence to give the ball to a true freshman to salt the game away? And he looked over at Marcus. He said, there was a reason Nick Osmo was in the game, yeah. Marcus. And <laughs> so even with a guy that was, you know, Montana's, I mean, Marcus Knight was Montana's Offensive Player of the Week nominee for the Big Sky Conference. He rushed for 131 yards. He had three catches for 65 yards, scored three rushing touchdowns. Now he has 13 total touchdowns this season, and it's still the fumbling that Bobby Houck is harping on him. I remember uh, during spring ball when Marcus Knight first got here, um, he had a, a practice where he fumbled several times, and uh, 
<laughs> he was on the the wrong end of the wrath uh, after that, yeah. and uh, so definitely. Constant improvement demanded by Coach Yuck, but Marcus Knight has been a, a stellar addition. He has been one of the best running backs in the league uh, in his first year at the Grizz. Here he is, post-game, talking about his big day. Yeah, it's a big emphasis all week. You know, as a running back, you're always excited when you're, you know, you're told that you're going to be able to run the ball. And, you know, the whole, whole line, very excited. So we just went to the game, you know, ready to run the ball. And as our coaches say, uh, you know, like those two, three, four-yard runs early in the game, later in the game, they get worn down and they become 10, 15, maybe break one. So it's just trusting, you know, play calling, trusting the holes, and eventually they're going to they're gonna pop. So. Can you break down what you saw in that 45-yard touchdown run and that tied the game and the touches, how big was that at that time? Uh, yeah, so we were going pretty fast, and uh, then we got back, and I, remember I got the ball, and when I got when I got the ball, Cam, Cam just yelled, "Get it!" Because it was fourth down. It was third, or third, third and one. Yes. Yeah. So he just yelled, "Get it!" And then just followed the the read and made a cut off the block and pretty much wide open. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also have to do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, and it can take care of you. You know, it's interesting because on... When, when the box starts to get crowded, when they know that you're going to run the football, there's those opportunities where if you get to the second level, you might take it all the way home because it just there's nobody left on the back end to stop it. I mean, you saw it in Brookings on Saturday. It's fourth and one, and the biggest play of the day is a North Dakota State running dive because... 11 defenders were within two yards of the line of scrimmage for South Dakota State trying to make a fourth down stand. Next thing you know, it's a uh, you know, game-winning touchdown. And this, not to that extent, not as obvious as that, but the same sort of deal where it's third and one, go get it. You're going to try and pick up two yards and you pick up 45 or whatever it is and take it in for a score. It's a good win for Montana. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I think that there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Um, I think Eastern's a team that's going to fade down the stretch. I think that uh, they're not as talented as they have been. I think that's no question about it. Uh, it'd be so interesting to see what happens in the offseason because Eric Berry went to go play for an entirely different coaching staff and, and, and what has now evolved into a very different system. They're just not running Berry like they did before. And that, that to me, that's just robbing 
Eastern Washington of almost everything that makes their offense special at this current uh, iteration of it. Uh, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, it, it's just so fascinating to see the way that programs have been flowing. Eastern Washington was so darn good with Paul Wolf and Bo Baldwin, back-to-back coaches that recruited the similar style of players to a similar culture. And I know that some of that culture maintains the, is the same under Aaron Best, but also some of it's just different. The way that the skilled players are organized and the way that they're expected to execute, it's just a whole different thing. And Andrew Boston is a nice player, but he's nothing like the receivers that they've had in the past. Antoine Custer, he's not getting the opportunities that I think that he probably should as a second-team All-Big Sky running back each of the last two years. So we'll see how Eastern develops for the rest of this year and, and into uh, coming years as well. And so, you know, it's not necessarily the feather in your cap that you maybe would have hoped for coming into this year. I mean, if you just beat the number four team in the country, which I think they were four or five preseason, you'd be fit riding real high if you're Montana. I think you still can because, again, like Coach Howick said, this team played for the national title last year. But it's not the uh, the marquee win that it would have been in the last 10 or 12 years. No, it's you're right. I mean, it's a good win because anytime you beat Eastern Washington – in the Big Sky Conference, it's a good win. I mean, just period. And it almost doesn't matter how up or how down they are. But after, like you said, a half decade or more of truly elite, nationally elite football, this team ain't that this year. It just isn't. And so, uh, you know, you, th- th- that is what it is. But nonetheless, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of positives, particularly coming out of the Sacramento State loss. You want to get it turned around. You want to get yourself right and ready, you know, uh, for the back end of the season, which is is uh, loaded uh, in terms of, of who the Grizzlies play, headed off to Portland State this week, and then back against Weber, the next week, I mean, it's just it just uh, keeps on rolling for the Grizzlies. So, you know, you you uh, to to get this victory uh, is significant. And I thought the way that they did it too. When you talk about, you know, you got your backup quarterback in there, you clearly put together a run heavy, you know, uh, uh, scheme into this into this football game, and you got everything that you needed. You know, the defense played really well. The defense gave up two touchdowns earlier in this game. Gave up nothing. After that, I mean, three points in the second half, uh, really. I mean, they just locked it up defensively. I think that was big. And and uh, and and Cam Humphrey again, I thought played good football. Like he was, he was, he was not prone to mistakes. And he even made a couple of plays, both with his legs and with his arm. Now he wasn't asked to go out there and do more than that, which is the right thing to do because I think you start to put him in a position that's not going to work out very well for him or for your team, but they didn't need to do that. And the fact that they continued to stick with the run game, got their defense on track and were able to use the run game to come back in a football game is also an impressive thing. And, uh, and at the end of the day, the box has been checked, so to speak, you know, you do it and you, and you move on. I thought Humphrey was skittish in the first half a little bit, and I also thought they had a pretty simplistic game plan for him. They wanted him just to make one read and fire the ball, and uh, oftentimes, I mean, he got the ball out as quick as you can get it out, and sometimes that was even too quick. Um, A lot of times there was not a lot of development in the route stuff, but they also stuck with the game plan. The other thing that's worth mentioning in in uh, their ability to run the ball with authority uh, is the three tight end set they were using. I think Colin Bingham had an outstanding game, even though he was not throwing the football. I think Bryson Deming has really developed into a good inline blocker. And sort of the surprise guy, you know, Coach Houck has not talked about this very much, and he's been asked about it a little bit, but he's been very vague about it because I think he's not trying to show his hand. 
But you know, Jeff Choate talks about it endlessly at Montana State. The management of true freshmen or guys that have the ability to redshirt and how you're going to play them or not, or not. And when you get to the point of no return after they've played that fourth or fifth game. But they've done a really good job of splicing some guys in there, namely Joey Elwell, who was their third tight end on Saturday, and he played a lot of H-back wing tight end where he was moving around. He was the in-line but also moving blocker, the guy that's in motion, the guy that puts his hand in the dirt sometimes, the guy that is moving all over the formation. It might seem simple, but that's not easy to do. And to be able to block like that, when you're the guy in motion, it's a distinct skill and fundamental to be able to block like that. I thought Elwell was really, really good. I know when they recruited him, I thought he was uh, my favorite offensive guy that they recruited just in terms of being physically ready. And uh, then on the other side of the ball, the guy that they've really, really used well in terms of splicing him in is Jacob McGoring. Uh, I think he is as physically formidable as you will find for a true freshman defensive lineman. And they played him in spots that I thought have been brilliant. They played him. This, Saturday was his third game, but he had his coming out party against UC Davis. He had a couple of hurries that led to Patrick O'Connell's sacks. He had a sack on Saturday. Yes, he did. The underlying story is he's from Cheney. His dad played at Eastern. So you give the kid a chance to play in the home arena against a team that he grew up likely watching, likely rooting for, and he's got a little extra juice. But if you listened or watched the game on route or you watched the replay back, Root interviewed, uh, or at least got some comments from Barry Sachs, Montana's defensive line coach. And Barry Sachs has coached D-line since the early 1980s when he was on Pokey Allen's staff at Portland State. And he's had a long, successful career. And he said that Jacob McGoring has the single best get-off of any player he's ever coached. Wow. That's high praise. And if you look at McGoring, he is, he's just so physically mature. The kid is going to be a special player. Bobby Houck said that he thought he was the gem of the recruiting class, and he's already showing that. Now they have a real decision to make. Do you play the kid a spot against maybe, say, the Cats? Or do you play him against Weber? Do you save him for the playoffs? Or if he continues to play well, do you just say, we got to use him? Yeah, just go. I mean, here's the thing. Montana's D-line is getting sacks right now. That was not the case last year. I think their D-line had two sacks the whole year. Three sacks and two tackles for loss on the day. One of those sacks was from Bobby Houck, but Jesse Sims got one uh, on Saturday, and so did uh, Jacob McGurn. Yes, excuse me, Robbie Houck. Mm-hmm. Bobby, I mean, Bobby you know, got all the sacks, but in the form of Robbie for one of those yesterday. Yeah, so, I mean, Montana has a lot better pass rush from its uh, front four, or I guess you could call it front five sometimes when they mm-hmm. bring O'Connell off the edge of kind of the... Reb position that they call it, but yeah. uh, no, it's a it's a huge improvement on this year's team, and I think it's it's paying dividends when they can rush the passer with the guys that have their hands in the dirt. It makes the whole defense even more complicated and chaotic, and I think that's what you're seeing now. Montana's just a little bit less susceptible to big plays because they can get after you in so many different ways. It's two tell Nuanas, one or two nine ESPN Radio. It is the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford. The first hour of every single show. On Mondays, every week, we spend talking about football in the state of Montana. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue uh, talk about Cam Humphrey a little bit, and we will also talk about Montana State, their loss at North Dakota, what happened there, and where do the Cats go from here as they have now lost two straight uh, conference football games. We will also get you the word of the day, so make sure you stick around for that. Hey, it's Silver Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. 
Whether you're looking for an affordable family meal or a late-night game of poker, the Silver Slipper has what you're looking for. Right now, Silver Slipper is your football headquarters with a free shuttle to every home Grizz game, 56 televisions to watch in the sports bar, drink specials every single day, a full liquor store, Tarantino's Pizzeria, and the friendliest staff in town. Silver Slipper has all you need to watch your favorite games. Visit SilverSlipperLounge.com for more info. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. they got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. they got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Nuanas, ESPN Sports Center. The number 10 Montana Grizzlies trailed Eastern Washington 14-10 at halftime, but won the second half 24-3 behind a newfound bruising rushing attack on their way to a 34-17 win over the Eastern Washington Eagles. Sophomore running back Marcus Knight rushed for 131 yards and totaled 196 yards from scrimmage, scoring three touchdowns on an afternoon that UM rushed for 254 yards on a season-high 55 carries. In his first career start at quarterback for UM, junior Cam Humphrey completed 20 of 29 passes for 176 yards, including a six-yard touchdown pass to Sammy Akim with 12 minutes to play that helped UM seal its third its third Big Sky Conference victory. The Grizz are on the road this week at Portland State. After contributing to three of Montana State's four sacks with North Dakota quarterback Nate Ketteringham, MSU junior uh, Troy Anderson almost saved the day for the Bobcats in Grand Forks. The All-American two-way star ripped off a 49-yard run that set up the 31st rushing touchdown of his illustrious career and gave Montana State a 12-10 lead with eight minutes remaining. But the Montana State Bobcats allowed a blocked punt in the UND end zone that led to the game-winning score as North Dakota posted a 16-12 win. The Bobcats now lost two straight and sit 2-2 two and two in league, 5-3 and three Overall, MSU returns home this week to host Southern Utah. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. It is the Montana Football Hour. It is presented by Lithia Ford, and it is a fabulous Monday. Ten degrees, wind blowing snow sideways, now fully iced roads. Can we go skiing yet? Is it time? Is it time? Uh, we are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 84 and Sealy online at KurtzPolaris.com. Uh, 
We continue in the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford. By the way, we're going to spend a considerable amount, uh, a considerable amount of time on the uh, Bobcats game as well, but it is going to spill into the second hour, just so you know. Uh, so you know, just hold on to your hats for that. Coulter, let's talk about the quarterback situation for the Grizzlies. Cam Humphrey making his first start. 20 of 19, 176 yards, had a touchdown. Also made some... Scramble plays with his legs. Nine of thirty, uh, nine rushes for thirty-five net yards. He had a sack in there. He really rushed for 40, 41 yards on the day. Um, again, I thought he was good. I thought he was solid. I thought he was everything that you would would want, or at least certainly positively be able to expect from a backup quarterback starting in his first game. I thought he he delivered for this team exactly how they needed him to to win the football game. They didn't rely on him to get it done, but they did rely on him to not to not, you know, lose it for them, which he did not. And also positively, he he ripped some seam balls in there, man, that were absolute dimes. And he picked up a couple of big plays with his legs, either getting out of sacks or even on called runs, lowering his shoulder and uh, and running a couple of people over and getting it done that way as well. So I thought it was impressive. He missed a couple of balls. There's a fourth down, uh, you know, opportunity and he was just flat low on the throw incomplete so that, you know, went over to Eastern Washington. He was behind Sammy Akem on, on on one play that may have been a touchdown, certainly would have been a big play in the pass game. Wasn't quite there. You know what? Him and probably everybody else playing the position just about, you know, are going to have those in there. But again, you can't argue, you know, 20 of 29 is a, is an outstanding percentage, a completion percentage. And for him to do it in this way, I thought was really good. And again, I thought the coaches did what they had to do, but were also smart in scheming this thing up where they went two to one run pass in this football game, period. 55 passes, 29 rushes. They they ran the ball double the amount that they threw it, and that's not by accident. They knew who was out there. They knew what the situation was, and they went and got it done that way. And uh, and that's great. So it was a good team win. Let's hear from Cam Humphrey his impressions on his first start, and then we'll uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about him. But here you are, Cam Humphrey, Montana's quarterback on Saturday. Coming going into last week, uh, you know, I was kind of aware of the situation. Um, the team was going to rally around me. Uh, the defense was going to step up, and they did. Um, the old lineman played a hell of a game, and uh, you know we have a pretty good running back behind us too, so it made it easy for me. Cam, you've had a front row seat to watch your guys' offense finish so strong in a lot of games this season. Being at the controls of it, what was it like to sort of feel the momentum build like it did in the second half? Um, it was exciting. I mean, I, I have a pretty good role model ahead of me. Uh, Dolan's a hell of a player. Um, and then, like I said, everyone around me just stepped up and uh, really made it easy for me to get in there and just kind of operate. Um, our run game really turned on for us, and uh, it was good to see for sure. Coulter, what was your impression of of Cam Humphrey overall, and where is this team with Cam Humphrey as their quarterback? We'll talk more about Dalton Sneed and his potential return, and I would say expected return, if not this week, but at some point soon, and perhaps even this week. But where where are they right now if Cam Humphrey is the quarterback? Good question. I think Cam Humphrey's uh, talent is good. I think he has a good arm. I think he can throw. I think he actually has a great arm. I think he can throw the, yeah. the ball far more. Better than adequate. He's he's a good thrower of the football. To me, he just seemed like he had he had happy feet. He was a little bit gun shy in the pocket uh, for the first half, but he settled in, in the second half. And a lot of that is the run game. Also, a lot of it is just the way that Montana's offense is so momentum based. And when they get rolling, when they start operating at tempo, 
everybody performs better. And I thought the throw of the day was his last touchdown throw, to his only touchdown throw to Sammy Kim, about 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Perfect back shoulder, threw it on a dime. It was really, really good uh, completion and a really, really good touchdown pass by him. I think that's something you can build on. But as far as this week's matchup, and we'll get more into Portland State and what uh, Portland State's flex defense holds, but Portland State's got one of the best defensive lines in the conference, especially when it comes to stopping the run. So can Montana's offensive line rise to the occasion and and compete in that avenue? Because you're going to have to be able to run the ball if you want to keep Cam Humphrey comfortable. Also, then if you, if you're having trouble running the ball, can you stick with it? And where do you find easy throws? Because as we, I mean, Dalton Steed was utterly flustered by this Portland State flex defense flex defense last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of twelve in the first half. Couldn't find a rhythm. They found something late in the fourth quarter, and they came storming back. But it was this wasn't enough, and then they ended up losing. They they took the lead, and then ended up losing on a last second field goal. It's not the ideal offense, or excuse me, not the ideal defense for a quarterback like Cam Humphrey to have to go against at this moment in time. But I do think that Montana can take a little bit of confidence in the fact that he has a, a game under his belt. If this was going to be his first start as a Grizz on the road, I think the Montana would be in trouble. I think that they're going to be able to get something together for him uh, to hopefully at least keep him in the flow and keep him comfortable this week. If he plays, if he ends up being the starter this week, I think it's such a better situation that it is a road game against Portland State. You're playing in a park, man. You're playing at Hillsboro High School Stadium, and you know it's not going to be very many people there. In fact, it'll almost certainly be a Grizz-heavy crowd, all things considered. And I think for a lot of guys, you know, Football's an emotional game, an energetic game. You want to get up and go out and, you know, some, you know, you feed off the crowd, you feed off the environment and all that. But if you're a quarterback, especially who's, you know, brand new in terms of the, the, the starting and hasn't played a lot of minutes and, and, and that, being in an environment that's so, if I can say, calm like that, I would think would actually be beneficial to you. Like, you can sit there and really kind of hone in on it. There's not a lot else going on. And uh, and you can sort of just lock and load into what it is that you're doing as a as a as a quarterback. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to overcome the defense that is presented because, like you said, Bruce Barnum's defensive scheme is uh, is is a unique one, and it is uh, when it when it's running well, it uh, it causes problems for the offense. So that's kind of a different deal altogether. But yeah, man, like to get out there, play your first game, and get a win out of it. It's uh, you know it's all good for the University of Montana that way, and 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 they they got exactly what they needed out of Cam Humphrey. It seemed to me. Uh, Dalton Sneed, by the way, uh, Bobby Houck saying today in the press conference will practice on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, and then they'll make a determination at that point whether he's going to be good enough to go. He was in a walking brute and on crutches on the sideline on Saturday. Um, that seemed like a lot of things to be in and on if you were actually getting close to play, but also if the fastest way for your foot to heal is to is to have nothing, zero going on, except for when you're, you know, actually out there rehabbing it and doing, you know, PT and so forth, then so be it. Then wear the boot and do the crutches and get in a wheelchair if you got to. I mean, whatever you got to do, elevate the thing and however you got to get it to go, then that's what you got to do. Um, and if he's good enough where he's able to practice and actually move around and run around on it a little bit, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Dalton Steed was back on this Saturday. 
if it is a high ankle sprain, which is what all signs are pointing to and what all signs indicate, he's not going to be 100% till after the season's over. So right. then it just comes down to how can you operate without hurting yourself more? How can you operate under a reasonable level of pain? And how can you operate without hurting your team? I think that there's going to have to be some real discussions between the trainers, the coaching staff, and Dalton Sneed because you don't want to push this thing and hurt yourself. But you need him at the end of the day if you want to be nationally competitive. I think Cam Humphrey is a good stopgap, and I think that when Cam Humphrey gets his turn to be the full-time starter and he has a full eight and a half, nine months worth of off-season to be the guy and assume the leadership role, I think that he'll be good. I think he really will be. But Dalton Sneed's a spectacular athlete, and he's a phenomenal player, and he's the heart and soul of the offense. I mean, he is the lone captain on offense for this football team. So... They got to have him back. I mean, I think that they could they him and haw their way through the rest of the Big Sky Conference. They'd have no, don't have really any easy games coming up because Paul State is competitive and Weber State is number three in the country. And Idaho is going to be a war, even if Idaho has been up and down this year. And of course, Cat Grizz is going to be a war. So to be nationally competitive and win a couple of those games against the nationally ranked teams and set yourself up to potentially get a playoff seat, potentially get a home get a home game and a playoff bye. I think you got to have Snead. Eventually, so how do you how do you play it? Right, do you give them another week off? But that's the thing. The, like I said, it, the worst scenario would be if they're going to. I honestly think the worst game in the league that Montana could play if it was Cam Humphrey's first start would be going to Portland State. Yeah, but I still think it's a bad matchup just because that defense it flusters even the best quarterbacks. But what do we know? What do we know about Dalton Snead and Bobby Houck? There's not going to be any, well, let's see if we can get you 4% better sure, so we have sure. a better chance next week. It's If you can sure. go, then you're going to go. And if Dalton Seed goes, I think I can play, everybody shut up and give me my helmet. That's you know? why you got to have the communication with the trainers, though, because right. you, you got to know if he can hurt himself worse because totally. you can't let the kid hurt himself worse. Absolutely. And if it just comes down to pain management, then you you roll. I mean, you roll. That's He's it. got four, four games guaranteed left in his college career. You roll with that guy. Absolutely. Uh, it is uh, to tell Nuanas. It is the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. And it is time to give you the word of the day. Boys and girls, we're giving away a keg and a kegerator. How great is that? Okay? On a day like this, this is, I mean, you're going to text me. I know this is what's going to happen. Phone number 200-8184. Area code 406-200-8184. We've got a keg from Great Burn Brewing to give to you. And it's going to be inside of a kegerator from Fred's Appliance so that it will be dispersed with the proper amount of carbonation and perfectly chilled at all times. How great is that? Okay, 200-8184. The word of the day today is actually two words, or it's a word to number. Week nine. Week nine of the season is where we are at. So that's the word of the day. Week nine. Nine to two hundred eight one eight four. You will be entered to win. Montana Football Hour is sponsored in part by Lithia Ford. Right now, get zero percent for seventy-two months on the twenty nineteen Ford F one fifty. The Ford F one fifty makes tough tasks look easy, whether it's working on the job or heading out on a weekend of recreation. Also available is the all new twenty nineteen Ford Ranger at one point nine percent for sixty months. The all new Ranger tested under more extreme conditions than you would likely ever encounter. Unless you're driving in Missoula today. Uh, set a date for your next adventure. You see, it's a weather. It's a little weather joke mixed right in there into the read. You're such a comedian. You, tech, you, you can test your ranger out today. Your, ra- your ranger, it's ready to get you there of all the days. 
to have one today is probably that day. Lithia Ford, across from Super Walmart on Brooks, has a huge inventory of new and used cars and trucks. Visit LithiaFordMissoula.com for more information. Search new and used inventory, financing specials, and get yourself in a Lithia Ford today. Lithia Ford is an official sponsor of the Montana Grizzlies and Tutel Nuana's Montana Football Hour. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, that can take care of you. Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, online at KurtzPolaris.com. It is the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford. Hey, if you're looking for us on the uh, on the interwebs, on the social medias, there we are. At 1029 ESPN, that's the handle on Instagram and Twitter. At Gus Tutel, at Skyline Sports. MT on Twitter. At R Tutel, at C Nuanas on Instagram. If you're looking for him, uh, Coulter, uh, this was this was a bad loss for for Montana State, coming off a loss at Sacramento State, but then coming off a bye and going up against a North Dakota team that is a good team, but a team that if you're in the top ten in the country, I think it's a team that you got to beat. Montana State defensively played a really good football game, did everything they needed to do to win the game. Uh, Troy Anderson did what he does. He was part of three of their four sacks. He had the run that set up the lone Montana State touchdown, and then he was the guy who ran in the lone Montana State touchdown. And then they had a couple of mistakes, but the one that you just simply cannot have, where in a game where your defense is playing lights out and you have the lead late in the fourth quarter, and... You get a punt blocked in your own end zone that's recovered for a touchdown by North Dakota with four minutes uh, and change left in the football game, and North Dakota takes a 16-12 lead, and that is that. Yeah, I mean, the mistakes have been so prevalent all year for Montana State, and I think that that's just maddening for anybody that follows the program or anybody that is involved in the program. And the... There was, there was several mistakes that I thought just absolutely killed the Bobcats in this game. First, they had a false start when they were lined up for a field goal. It would have been a 48-yarder, and it pushed it back to a 53-yarder, and Tristan Bailey just missed it. That would have been a huge three-point play in this game, considering there was 
hardly any offensive touchdowns scored Total. in this game. Seven to six at halftime. They, they gave up uh, the, the one touchdown North Dakota scored was on a trick play. Uh, wide receiver reverse pass that had busted coverage on the back end, and the receiver was wide open. That's one that maybe d- you, you deal with because it's just a good play call at that moment, and they executed it. But not getting that field goal in the second half hurt them. And then it was not just the blocked punt. The confluence of events and yeah, just the circus that happened in that five-minute span. Troy Anderson comes into the game. Tucker Rovick is, is struggling horribly. He can't do anything. 13 of 26 for 77 yards. I mean, do the math. What's that, about 2.8 yards per completion? I mean, it's it's not good. Horrendous. There was two different times on the first half when they had a third and three or short or shorter, and they completed a pass. They completed the pass that was not for a first down. It's not even, like, it, it would be harder to convert the third down on the ground. It would be harder. Like The hardest scenario you could come up with, though, is managing to complete multiple passes of under two yards and not get first downs. How? <laughs> I don't even know. The, the, the rationale and the execution is also bad. But the sequence of events that really killed him, they finally put, Troy Anderson gets in at quarterback. He rips off his low and long run of the game. Uh, 49 yard all the way down the one yard line. Punches it in for his 31st career touchdown on the very next play. Montana State's up 12 10. Inexplicably, they go for two. Why? I don't know. And then the play that they called was just ridiculous. And uh, I mean, let's play Jeff Cho. Just his justification of, of the two point conversion try. That's the thing to do. It's a two point game, you know, and so you make it a field goal game at that point if you convert the two point play. And so we didn't feel great about some of our two point plays against the style that they play in that situation. So we had that up. And quite honestly, I think it was there. Our long snapper, I just uh, didn't, didn't identify the guy right over the top of him. And so, I mean, it was a two point game at that point. You go for two. You know, you, you make it a, you, a field goal doesn't necessarily win the game for them. And I know that they're good in that situation. They ran I, for I those that those anything. didn't watch the game. They ran a swinging gate style play with multiple guys outside the hashes, and then Casey Bauman and the center, and that's it. In North Dakota, Jeff Jones says he doesn't identify the guy over the top of him. There were three of them, maybe even four. It's just it's mystifying to me that you could have Troy Anderson, who's one of, if not the best short yardage player in the conference, let alone the country. You have one of the best offensive line units in the in the conference. And yet, you're going to run a swinging gate with a third-string guy, essentially, because at this point, Troy Anderson is the backup quarterback, make no mistake about it, with a third-string quarterback who hasn't been in the game yet, who is objectively your worst runner. You're not going to have any of your best blockers on the field. The guys that are outside the hash marks was like Derek Marks and Jason Scrimpos and a bunch of D-linemen. It was inexplicable. I, I maybe, I maybe, maybe, maybe agree with Choate's rationale of going for two there, but why call that play? The... The going for two, you can debate whether you should do it, shouldn't do it. You go up three, then it's at least a tie. If there's a field goal, you go up four. Now you got a lead. I I personally am always going to uh, not always, but I am easily swayed by the by the aggressive side of it. You want to go for two, go for two. I'm for it. I don't mind that choice at all. The play call, like if you watch the play unfold. It's it, it's completely inexplicable, and then the explanation afterwards of well, the, he didn't identify the the three unblocked defensive players for North Dakota, who as soon as the ball was snapped, ran in and tackled Casey Bauman. I mean, it was it was absolutely hopeless, and and it wasn't like it wasn't poorly executed on the part of Montana State. It was absolutely 
inexplicable in oh. terms of what they're doing in that moment and how there was no possible way for it to work. I, I wish I would have been in the post game in Grand Forks because I would have asked. The, the question is not why did you go for two right there. It's what was supposed to happen on that play. Right. Correct. I mean, right. it, it, just just looking at it from a layman's perspective, it just looks like such a dumb play. Well, but there has to be something more to it, right? Exactly. Like, there was something that didn't happen that was supposed to happen. I mean, you're not just going to run one on five case. I mean, it was the long snapper. I don't even know his name because he's new to the program. I mean, no offense to the kid. He's been fine this year, but I don't even know his name. And then you have Casey Bauman. Those two versus a whole front of North Dakota. How? Why? But the, the mistakes didn't stop there, though, because then on the ensuing possession, Montana State's up 12-10. Okay, they need uh, they need a defensive stop. They get it. Their defense actually played really well in this game. Yes, they did. Nate Ketteringham was good with his hot routes and getting the ball out quick, but they were still able to get to him, sack him four times, uh, and they Montana was real, Montana State, excuse me, was really good against the run. But then, they, so they forced the punt. Eighty-five total yards rushing for North Dakota in this game, which is impressive. Very good, for, uh, very good defensively by Montana State. Montana State forces a punt, and then when the punt is made, it was a punt where it was lingering like around the twenty or fifteen yard line, and no one fielded it, and so it gets pushed all the way back inside the ten, maybe even inside the five. So now you're pressed up against your end zone, and then to make it even worse, you get another false start. So now you actually gained some yard, and I, I believe if I remember there was a sack in there too, right? I mean they gained some yards, actually created some space, but then went backwards twice. Went backwards twice, so then you're forced to punt from your own end zone, and then the error of all errors, they don't block the un, the uncovered guy coming off the edge, and he just has free reign and blocks the punt, and, and then it's touchdown, and North Dakota's up, and and Montana State was not able to rally. So I mean, all things considered. It was a had-to-have-it game in Grand Forks, and Montana State didn't get it. And now, all of a sudden, their backs are against the wall. And Jeff Choate said today, he said, sometimes you need it to be, you need the situation to be at its worst for us to play our best. They've proven they can do it before, and it's, it's just a very precarious way to live if you're the Bobcats. Well, here's the thing, again, for Montana State. They're now 2-2 two and two in, Big Sky, in Big Sky play. But they play Southern Utah and Northern Colorado back-to-back, the two worst teams in the Big Sky Conference. And and they're, I mean, if they were to lose either of those games, it would be absolutely disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. I don't think that's going to happen. Don't look down. Southern Utah lost 19 out of 21 games and then went and dropped 59 against Idaho State on Saturday. Yeah, so they did. I mean, maybe something... Finally started clicking. Who knows? But Idaho State did get a win. Montana State is just really, really fortunate that they're back home. But they are. I mean, this is this is a really bad loss. That's this is a really bad loss to come off of a loss and then have your bye and be you know presumably getting right, getting up, and being ready to go, and then go in and have have your own mistakes cost you the football game. It's a, it's a tough situation. We'll continue talking about Montana State. And this game in Grand Forks, what it means and what the outlook is for them right after this. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. It's Montana Football Hour in the books, presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. Also, I want to mention this. At the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. Whether you're looking for an affordable family meal or a late-night game of poker, the Silver Slipper has what you're looking for. Right now, Silver Slipper is your football headquarters with a free shuttle to and from every home game, 56 televisions to watch sports on, drink specials every day, full liquor store, Tarantino's Pizza, and the friendliest staff in town. Silver Slipper has all you need to watch your favorite games. 
Visit thesilverslipperlounge.com for more information and stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 